Hello, and welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebri. Ooh, are we doing like hot breath? I don't know. Right, <laughs> I was, I was. My name. Wait, no, that's not good. <laughs> Shit, I can't do it. And I'm Jessica Tercero. And, and this <laughs> week we watched Space Jam. We watched Space Jam. Um, Space Jam and Space Jam Legacy. I believe uh, I can fly. Well, actually, we big fuck R. Kelly hard. Yeah. But I forget oh, fuck, that that's, that's R. R. Kelly. Yes, Holy it is. shit. I know. I fuck know. Because at the beginning of the movie, too, I was also like, uh, oh, man, remember this song? What a moment this was in the 90s. And I'm like, wait, no, that's R. Kelly. You need to turn that oh off. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stop. Well, like, remember that this is R. Kelly when you're ingesting it. Like, just I'm- be aware. <laughs> I'm so glad you reminded me because, yeah, I was like that like, oh, yeah, I remember this song. And like I I, I never associated that because like I didn't know who R. Kelly was until a few years later. Yeah. But but yeah, like I was just like, yeah, I never associated him with that song. So thank you for making that connection. Yeah, Ooh. that was it. That was like the huge, huge hit. That was like the the mainstream crossover. I think I know. I know that I do. I do. I, let's stop talking about R. Kelly. Fuck R. Kelly. Um, we did Space Jam. We talked about space. We're talking about Space Jam. One thing about sequels, I'm getting so tired of the word legacy as like a concept. Just as far as like the sequel later, that's like a revival. It's like it's a legacy. No, it's not. Like what was it? Um, uh, which movie? The Craft. The Craft. The Craft Legacy. Mm-hmm. Stop. We don't need that. There's probably many others where legacy is like the the vibe and i get that the word works for what it is but i'm like you know what i'm bored i'm bored i feel of the like there's legacy. just like a lot of like self-imposed importance too on that there where it's is. just like it's like um it's a very ego-filled word um yeah that a lot of the time like i associate that word with like either or like you know because like a lot of stories have men that are just like really worried about their their legacy or their family legacy or this yeah. or that. And for me, like that's like that's always kind of like a weird loaded term. It's just big just ego like, shit. It's just big ego shit. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like I'd rather be like the legacy of uh, King Arthur. Just like nah, King Arthur and his round knights. That's cool. It's yeah. a thing. Like, I don't also, know. Like, Also, why are you so important? What did you do? Knit a sweater? Who fucking cares? Like, <laughs> I don't care about your children or your grandchildren. You're not that important. Blech. I don't like it. I hated the title, but um, I have different opinions about the movie. What is your history with Space Jam as an idea? I've known it exists in the pop culture ethos. I've okay. like, I know... Like, or before I watched this, I knew kind of the imagery and I knew the concept, but I didn't, I I never watched it up until this point. I've never seen it. Oh, no shit. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. This will be fun. So this is a whole new experience for me. (laughs) This will be fun to talk about just from a nostalgic perspective because it was that for me, this movie, it wasn't like huge, but it was very, very memorable for me as a kid. Like the really? Monstars and, and that whole, the Michael Jordan getting pulled into the fucking golf hole and me being like, what? And then the whole like them digging under the lawn and then like running into the doghouse, like that whole thing seared into my brain. Like so, wow. so just like imprinted. Um, so it'll be interesting to like discuss. 
Yeah, no, I have um, no attachments to this movie. <laughs> or to, like, I mean, like, I was going to say or to the Looney Tunes, but that's not true because, like, I did, like, every 90s child grew up where, like, there was nothing on TV, so you would just watch Looney Tunes reruns. There was, like, that uh-huh. whole moment. But so, I love the Looney Tunes. Oh, yeah. I I mean, they're fine, but, like, I, I liked them and thought they were okay when I was a kid. And then going back and watching them now, um, realizing how much of the humor is predicated on violence and gross overgeneralizations and stereotypes, I have kind oh, of a yeah. big problem with that. Yeah. Similarly, I mean, we'll get into it, but fun fact, did you know that uh, Space Jam was initially, or the reason that it happened was because of a commercial? No. So, so uh, Michael Jordan did a commercial... It was a it was a Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan, um, for Nike. They were trying to sell uh, Air Jordans. It was just a crossover, just to like get people engaged because Bugs Bunny was very popular. Uh, and then after the commercial, that was kind of like the pitch for a motion picture. Oh, it, was shit. Just stemmed, it just stemmed from a Nike commercial. Like, <laughs> oh should, shit! Okay. Should, are we doing this? And then they did, and that's what we got. Wow! I had no yeah. idea. I know that like in the fiction, they tried to like say that this is what like space jam takes place in between like those those couple of years when uh michael jordan was not playing in the nba which yeah. I that was kind of cute i thought that was i thought that time. was cute too yeah should we jump in yeah let's do let's it let's do it okay As a kid, Michael Jordan always wanted to become a professional basketball player, and with the encouragement of his father, his dreams became a reality. A montage ensues, highlighting Jordan's basketball career that ends with his initial NBA retirement announcement in 1993, which allows Jordan to try something else he's always wanted to try, pro baseball. Only, he's not very good at it. But because of his celebrity, nobody will openly admit this to him, including his assistant Stan, instead choosing to ignore his lack of talent and treat him like royalty. Then one fateful day, while playing yet another sport with his friends Bill Murray and Larry Bird, Jordan is kidnapped and taken to Looney Tunes land by none other than Bugs Bunny himself. As it turns out, there's some gross alien capitalist that wants to enslave the Looney Tunes to drive up sales at his theme park. Thanks to some quick thinking, Bugs managed to get the aliens to agree to play a game of basketball for their freedom. However, the aliens stole the talent of several NBA players, resulting in their dominancy over the game at the expense of the player's ability to do anything involving motor skills. Hooray! Jordan agrees to help the Looney Tunes, wins the match, reunites the NBA players with their stolen talent, and decides to turn his back on baseball and return to the sport he was known for. Bump, 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 bump. Welcome a... to the Space Jam. Oh, your chance. Okay. Do your dance at the Space Jam. All right. Uh, iconic song, by the way. So, I like Space Jam as a whole, as an idea. Do I like it less than I remembered liking it? Yes. I also like, I think I'm just done with Bill Murray. <laughs> Like, oh my god isn't he the worst are we gonna okay every are every we just th- going straight into him because yeah, like let's do it let's i can't believe Sorry, why not i can't believe most of my notes are like okay like i have a half page on jordan and like whatever on other but like bill fucking murray is about a half a page too and it's just because he's so awful and the more that i watch him in in things from this lens the more i realize what an awful it's it really it really is like i i think i'm just 
as a young person, that sort of like dry, sort of awkward, breaking the tension humor was like interesting because it was so foreign. Like it is so aggressive and so like the opposite of maintaining the status quo. Like that's the intention. That's like his thing. But the more that I like learn and the more that I like become an adult and understand like humor and, and like just playfulness, the more I realize that like, I don't really think he is that funny or interesting. And maybe it is just like a timing hindsight kind of thing, but there, there's like a level of provocation, provocation that like his humor relies on that. I don't think is like actually very funny. It's really just acknowledging certain like, social things and just saying them out loud even though like i don't know like the whole but what did from he say like a in very, this from, he, he says when they're teeing things. off oh yeah i mean he let's talk about his humor real quick. <laughs> he says these things that and i think what's like you're right he like kind of doesn't um he points out these things that are supposed to make him smart or but like from this like very het white cis man that yeah. is um, from this incredible point of privilege where he a lot of his humor is um, is predicated on everybody else being lesser than and um, like dominance over women and people uh, non-white people, right? Yeah. People of and color. I feel like it comes directly from the more I'm seeing this. Thank you for saying that because it really takes something off in my brain. It comes from a place of insecurity all the time. His entire humor yes. is from like that that need to be, and that's to supposed be, to be funny. And it's supposed to be funny. It's it, like, and I get that that might be the character choice from his entire career. That's like the whole thing is like largely insecure men who are like overly confident and need to like belittle or neg people to like them. Like that's just what they're doing, and I it's no longer interesting to me when it's when his characters are the hero or like the anti-hero or even like the supposed to be the funny sidekick um that's where i i take issue with that because yeah. like sure like i i mean looking back at these roles they're not funny like not i really I didn't, at least it, he literally really... is like okay he tees off in this right he tees off and um he is talking to the ball and like you're my friend my associate my weapon ah right and he just fucking hits a golf ball but the way that he does it i laughed so hard because as he swung like his hawaiian shirt opened and his little beer belly like hung out right just for that one second while like you know he's standing there with these much taller much fitter much like more um renowned athletes right and he's literally like hey look i got what it takes i got what it takes to be um to be in pro basketball and they're like no 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 and he's like it's because i'm a white isn't it but like it's it's yeah. the way that it said is like supposed to be very funny and stuff because like ha 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 everybody that everybody knows that black people play basketball and to me like uh like dave and i were talking about it um after the fact and it's like that's supposed to be funny because it's supposed like that type of humor is based on this like quote unquote like unspoken truth or whatever. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be in in to some degree. Yeah, this like social construct that is there and that exists and that like oh look we're acknowledging that you know and it's um it's nothing but racist 
is what that is. Yeah, it it's <laughs> it it's just it's a silly bad joke about race is like the attempt and it also because of the company of the scene doesn't make sense cuz Larry Bird is there also. So it's yeah. like one of the most well-known basketball players who is also white. You're making this joke about how all basketball players are black. Well, that's obviously not true and you're showing us that that's not true quite literally. Um mm-hmm. so what is the joke then? Cuz the joke doesn't work cuz he's here if that is the joke, if it is a joke, but he is here. So the joke didn't work. What else is it apart from discomfort that's based in racism and i know and again this isn't like a filmed clip of him hanging out with michael jordan this is a scripted like structured this was part of the film right um but even then it just it falls flat and does not work and it might also just be because of who we are when we are watching back and i'm sure that that joke probably killed in the 90s uh, for a lot of white audiences, like, oh, haha, that is very funny. Um, but it just doesn't make sense. And it is one of those, like, no, this isn't, like, insightful. This is just racist. Like, yeah. it's just, it's not, it's not, it's not interesting or insightful as you think it is. And again, this just echoes that idea that I'm having with Bill Murray or the sort of cognizance I'm coming to with him. Just in regard, like, that, I feel like that is his humor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just I, d- I don't think it's very funny anymore well and then like right after that Jordan is sucked into the journey to the center of the tune world right like whatever mm-hmm. that is um, and then he's just kind of like oh okay whatever and him and Larry peace out and he's just like look we were both under emotional distress so I'm just gonna give us twos for that last hole and like also like now you have an opening I should I mean I should be the person and then I fucking hated that like at the end he comes in to save the day and just like be a fucking body on the court and then he's like oh I don't play like he he comes in and he tries to, like, tell the team, the Toon Squad, that, like, all right, cool, this is what we're going to do. And, like, acting like he's fucking king of the court when Jordan is right there. Michael Jordan, one of the best basketball players that has ever lived. And he's yeah. trying to railroad this person who is, like, objectively one of the best people in this sport, especially yeah. at the time, right? Yeah. It's, like, showing that, again, he places his own importance above him. And then he's like, wait, we're on defense. He's like, oh, well, I don't do that fucking prima donna and then he quits right after the game because he's not feeling great after playing like 30 seconds of basketball and then at the very end like one of the ending scenes is i think the ending scene is us focusing back on fucking bill murray who's sad because it's not him on the court when he couldn't do it like yeah and like so just as much as that character was centered in here it really bothered me and it bothered me that he he gets to be like without his help they wouldn't have been able to um to finish the game and like then at the very end we're still gonna focus on him and him wanting to do it was just gross to me well it's just the whole character is based around this like insecure man baby that's the vibe that's the that's like the entire character um it to me falls into the category his character and specifically falls in the category of like oh that's right this is a major motion picture that like to me is very un is written very poorly <laughs> it's not a well-written movie um 
the fact that it is predicated or, or like the seed of the idea came from a commercial, I'm like, that makes sense. Um, because again, commercial storylines are like 20 seconds. Like they don't, they're not full fleshed ideas. And this was just like, well, let's just stretch that to an hour and a half. They, I don't know. I know also a lot of actors said no to this. Like his agent, what's his name? The guy from Jurassic Park. And then who's oh, also yeah. in Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. He was like the fourth or fifth person. Oh, shit. Like they'd asked a bunch of people before him. And they all said no because they're like, oh, we have to act with cartoon characters who won't be there. And the only other actors in the room, this is all their first acting gig. Like they've literally never done any acting. They're all sports heroes. (laughs) They're all like professional (laughs) sports, like basketball players. So a lot of these actors were like, "Ah, mm, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I can't do that. I'm really sorry. <laughs> that will not be a good fit. So there is a level of like, I I do really like this movie, but it, it is not well written, not necessarily even well made. Um, and it is just really interesting that like, even the bits that are supposed to be like little zingers or whatever, it's just, it's just oh, they, they just fall flat completely. And I mean, Bill Murray's character as a whole falls flat the hardest. It's just a huge, just for me yeah i mean i think the plot is interesting generally like i love i love who framed roger rabbit and that sort of like cross-section of like animation live action and the interplay of the two and like how you can make it look cute and also seeing some early 3d animation um in the 90s that looks awful now but was (laughs) kind of like interesting and fairly groundbreaking at the time yeah i don't know I think Lola Rabbit's the one thing from this movie in general that because she was created for the role. And I do like that or she was created for the movie. Mm-hmm. I do think that most I mean, apart from just the general whenever any animal is anthropomorphized in any sort of media, all of the big air quotes, lady animals are always given big boobs. And I'm like, I don't, that's a whole, a whole thing that we don't necessarily have to, we just know it. It is just general misogyny, male gaze, trash. There's, there's no way around that. That's all it is. But I do like the way that they did center Lola, just in terms of like, she's introduced, obviously she's hot, but like as a rabbit, like that's how they're trying to sell her. Um, I like that even despite the sexualization of like, don't call me doll and that whole thing, she's still very capable and kind of one of the only capable characters in the entire movie. Um, Apart from Michael Jordan in real life, because I mean, in the tune world, he is fairly incapable and that's the the crux of the the comedy. But for as little as she is in it also, because I know she's hardly in it at all those times that she is, I do like that that was a centered piece for her character was that like, she doesn't really need help. She's, she's kind of a step above everybody and they kind of just bring her down. I mean, sure. But like, okay. I feel like her character was just thrown into be the token girl because there is no other women in this movie. Right. And then sure with the oversight, like we love a bad bitch, right? She's a fucking bad bitch and she can handle her own and everything. Right. But like when she's introduced, the only reason that she gets any respect is because she can beat them. 
right? Like, so it's not because yeah. she's just a good player, like, you know, or she's capable, clearly more capable than anybody else. But she has to, she has to be better than everybody else in the room, basically, right? Um, which is very true of a woman that's in male spaces, right? And then basically, like, after we see, we see her for like 30 seconds, just school bugs. And then suddenly he went from being like, well, you can't play basketball to being like, oh, my God, I'm in love. Right, which is like also gross and problematic. But then basically one of the only lines that we hear her say, and we hear her say it like twice in the film, is that don't call me doll thing where she says that and she like kicks their ass, right? And that's like basically the only thing that we see her do um, other than that one time where she like crushes everybody. And then um, when she's there kind of like fawning over bugs once he has muscles, right? And she's like, that's the time, like, you know, reinforcing that part of the male gaze where this is what you need in order for women to like you, right? You need yeah. muscles. And then um, then he saves her and she said, like, she says that that's the nicest thing anybody's ever done for her and kisses him. And now she's in love. And, like, I'm like, yeah. this is not how this works. First of all, you're a tune. And if you get crushed, you're not going to die. It's fine. Second of all. If the nicest thing anybody ever did for you was, like, push you out of the way, that sucks. Um, And third, like, what what about that, like, deems, like, you don't don't have to kiss him. You don't have to, like, reward men for, for just being good people, like, with your physical affections. Like, I don't know. It felt like... Lola felt like a messy ass character to me. Well, um, yeah, she. Well, the reason she's messy is because she's unthoughtful, just in the way that she's written like this. Like she's supposed to be this sort of like feminist. Like, wow, look at her. Don't call me doll. How sick. But then simultaneously is saved, gives romantic reward, and is only then portrayed later as like, oh wow, I'm so in love with you because you're ripped. Now, like there there are the the those levels of like messy tropish trash but i do like that the initial base of her character is the idea that like she is more capable and i think that the the like they only like her after the respect thing yeah that is also true but i feel like this whole movie that is the case for all the characters like i mean they get porky pig on the team and all of these other people are like oh yeah automatically you're a dude you're in but she's the only one that has to fucking prove her worth in order to be there and be accepted. I th- Yeah, I think that, to me, I read it more as an outsider, not as a woman. Just because they also do the gag with Charles Barkley later, where like, oh my god, Charles Barkley, come play basketball with us. And then he does. Oh, and that's... Then... Uh, yeah, I have issue with that, too. Because, like, the girls playing basketball thing, like, sure, cool, they're, they're awesome, they're doing great. But... Charles Barkley could go and play anybody. He can go and play young boys. He could, like, you know, like young teenagers. He could go play, like, other just normal ass, like, people playing basketball. But he chooses, like, young females to play against because if he can't beat them, then he's not worth anything. And that's how, that's how I read that. So that was, like, a, a slight form of sexism where, like, it wasn't. Like, um, these girls are better than, uh, these girls are some of the best people. You can't beat them, whatever it was. He went to go play girls because girls can't play basketball or like, because there is like the, in a patriarchal society, which is, is very much, um, like, you know, women are not as good at sports as men. And 
Uh, and he's not even playing women his own age. He's playing younger women. So that's and then when even they reject him and say, you're not fucking Charles Barkley. That's when he's like, oh, shit, something is wrong. I see that. I see that take. I didn't read that at all in the movie. I think he just was walking by it. To me, it read more as just like a pickup game of kids playing basketball. And he's kind of like, yeah. I mean, it's it's totally possible that that was an intentional form of sexism. Like, can't even beat these girls. But I just that I don't know. I didn't I didn't get that read at all from it. Sure. Um, we have different takes. That's great. Yeah. No, one hundred percent. Um, I just I I like Lola a lot. I think that she's great. I think she's awesome. I like her in the second one more. I have more I like to her say about her in the second more. one, but. Especially back then, too, because I know a lot of young... And I and again, misogyny 100%. She's a messy character, just by the way that she's written. She's far from generally good. But I think the structure of like introducing this new character to be so capable and so strong and so powerful despite everything, and even in that introductory scene, she also does not care. Like the moment that like Bugs is like, wow, you're actually good. And like, I'm into you now. She's like, okay, that's fine. Like, d- just don't, don't talk to me. I don't know. I, <laughs> I think Lola's sick as fuck. I think she's really cool. I love a bad bitch. I just yeah. wanted that bad bitch to shine a little bit more. That's all. Yeah. And to me, I like, this is a movie for boys. So I don't think that they're ever going to do that, especially in that first one. Because, I mean, that that is, I feel like, the target demographic. The fact that she was in it at all, I was like, that, to me, felt fucking cool just because she was very much the, I don't care. The, I don't know. Even as a kid watching it, it very much felt like, I don't care that you're boys. I don't care that I'm a girl. I'm good at this. And if it's a problem for you, it's not my problem. I mean, yeah, she is also the only woman on the court, too. Yeah. But, again, I think that was just mostly for, like, tokenism and um and to give bugs uh some sort of a love interest because every movie has to have a love interest right oh yeah 100%. so um i think all of those things were just just very very on the surface um yeah and this this movie is so shallow this movie is not it, it does not go deep it is not like it 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 almost has no substance and and by that i mean it's almost just a glorified commercial and practically no story. Oh, my God. <laughs> the scene, fucking, I died. When Jordan was on the bed drinking his McDonald's cup and Stan walks in and says, hey, you got to put on your Hanes and your Nikes. Here's some Gatorade, you know, like, and I was just A like, must. fucking love this. Get like, the sponsors lo- in. Drop just them all in the like, scene. All in the same scene. That was for the commercial. That was the commercial. That's it. That was, you know? truly, yeah. <laughs> no, without a doubt. It was, and, and it's that. It's the, like moments like that where I'm like, yeah, this is this is nothing more than a glorified commercial. That's all it really is, generally. Because um, there's like barely even a story. There's barely even a story. Yeah, I mean, or struggle. It, there's barely struggle too. Like in this story, it felt like. Well, just the idea of like, I'll do it. I'll play you a game like for my soul, I guess, or whatever. Like I have to go work for you at your amusement park forever, and I have to lose game so it's like not only my life but my pride like okay sure but (laughs) like the stakes could not have been lower because we're never (laughs) 
<laughs> were never led to any sort of like realistic conclusion as to like the severity of it. It's just like monsters. Okay, they're gonna go. Oh, they're actually bad. I'll do it. You know, if you do this, you're gonna die. I know. Like, and that's like that is as much build up as there is to it. So we never get there at all. And I'm like, oh, this is, and and in that same turn, I'm like. This is a children's movie from the 90s where, um, because not all children's media is this way, but a lot of it is where, like, it assumes children are dumb. Mm -hmm. Like, it assumes children, like, won't be able to think. So it's like, well, let's spell it out and also not make it that hard. Let's trivialize kind of everything and make it more digestible and easier. More binaural, right? Like, more clearly, succinctly good, bad, blah, 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 blah. Um. Because I do think that, like, a lot of children's media in general, pretty much everything apart from, like, Sesame Street to some degree. I don't know. I There's a whole thing. Most of it is bad. And it's terrible for kids. And I think this is no exception. I think that this movie is very clearly one of those things. Yeah. But- I mean, they, they didn't even, <laughs> like, uh, the plot wasn't fully developed. It didn't feel like. that It was no. very surface level. The Even the relationships with, you know, the characters and other people, like, are the same like they could have done something really cool with his son trying to tell him what he's doing wrong in baseball you know they yeah. they like were were these things but they were always just like kind of these floating ideas up up here in the ether like i mean personally i was just like why the fuck is Michael Jordan gone for, like, however long he's gone for? His wife and his kids don't know where the fuck he is. Like, he hasn't checked in. This is just so normal. And it to me, it was so funny because, you know, like, there's a whole thing to be said about, like, the power of celebrity and all of this when, like, he seems to want to, like, in, in this movie, I'm just very confused about, um, about the character, Michael Jordan's, like, mm-hmm. um, uh, motivations because he seems to want to be just another person right treated like just another person but everywhere he goes he can't right because like people are like they're trying to help him cheat at baseball oh well he looks good in that uniform you can't teach that like they they have a, or like it's a good looking strikeout like all these things and i was like man like okay but he also doesn't want to be treated like a normal person when he gets home he like he doesn't want to be home he wants to be somewhere else it feels like like that's why he wouldn't check in like he's off sportsing and just like but, can't be bothered by anybody and see even that i feel like is so underdeveloped because yeah. you you explained it even more eloquently than the movie presents it because you're right <laughs> that whole that whole subplot narrative regarding celebrity and how tough it is to like be a celebrity like oh everyone's just a yes person trying to like hype you up at all times. Like, let me just fail. But then he goes home where he's supposedly treated like a regular person. He's like, I hate this. <laughs> and you're like, well, wait, like, I like that. I like that conversation, but it's never, it's not, it's not a conversation. It's a side note. They didn't think about this at all. Like, or yeah. like they tried to like do this in the most superficial and lazy way. Like, because there's a really cool conversation to be had about, like celebrities don't have to try as hard to get opportunity and to be successful and to, you know, like all of these things, right? Like he he's even like when his son asks him if everybody was mean to him because he sucks, he's like, worse, they were nice to me. And he knows he's bad and like but he wants to be told 
that by somebody but he doesn't so i don't know it's very confusing and then like the relationships that he has with his like nba friends right like i didn't get any of that like so and i thought it was super cold-hearted when he sees all of his friends start to like lose their talent right and he has this line where he's like Ooh, I retired just in time. And I was like, why don't you pick up the fucking phone and call them? Because this is a very traumatic thing that is happening to your friends and your colleagues. And instead, all you can think about is you and yourself. It's also a crux of the comedy is that trauma is played for laughs, which I'm sure that you were going to get into. And that kind of plays into very much like you're seeing this traumatic thing happen. And you're like, zinger. (laughs) And you're like, wait, what? Hold on. Wait, this is actually really bad and your friends might be dying. So what's uh what is that about? What do you what is the vibe there? Yeah, I um they could have gotten a, done a lot of different things with some of these storylines. It just it is all so surface. Yeah, it really is. Like and then these moments are just played for laughs in the same way that Bill Murray yeah. Bill Murray's character is maybe not to like that gross extent, but like to um a kind of a much more like so like i was saying jordan tried like didn't even pick up the phone to call his friends he was just like oh cool i'm fine ha 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 but then like we cut over to um to the i think it was five players that that lost their talent right and they're now considered disabled in the nba these are disabled players right and um nobody believes them about what they went through or their life experiences you have these white doctors that are like diagnosing them or like trying to diagnose them and they're literally just like oh well tell me about your sex life you know like there's all of these kinds of things and it's like wait a second and then one is like praying saying like i'll never go out with madonna again the other one is like i'm gonna go back to the jungle and be a mercenary like the one the one white dude right and i was like or a, a missionary and i was like well, fuck, okay. Um, and, like, there, there's, like, this very real thing that's happening where, again, they can't get treatment because nobody believes them and nobody is, like, is helping. So unanimously, which I thought that this was another cool thing that could have been explored a little bit. Um, and, uh, of course, this is a children's movie again, but, like, just exploring these ideas a little yeah. bit more, right? Yeah. Where, like, unanimously these players, like the the Lakers specifically, but presumably all of the NBA speaks out against what's happening to their team owners and says, like, hey, I'm concerned about my health. There is something very real happening, and I want to put my health first. I'm not fucking playing. And, like, yeah. they have, like, the, the gas, the gas masks, masks and everything. Yeah. <laughs> right? And they're, like, uh, it might be some bacteria or contagion. And I was, like, hey, 2020 or 2021, whatever fucking year we're in. Um, but like at first the white owner, of course, is like, but we'll get fined. Like, no, we can't, we can't quit. And then like, I was very relieved to see like a couple scenes later, they're like, no, we're not, we're, we're postponing all of the games where the, the season's canceled. Right. Because I was like, okay, cool. At least they're doing that. But that's probably from like a monetary standpoint. They don't want to lose all of their players. Like it's never about like the players because clearly the ones that have issues, aren't being treated seriously and are just labeled as disabled and kind of like, you know, just like, oh, whatever, you know? It also dips into the territory of, again, a story like just touching the surface of like a commentary on something. The idea or just the the general fact that black patients are treated so much differently in any medical facility by, 
largely white staff, white doctors. So to me, I was like, oh, that's really interesting that like these black athletes are like, oh, these I, I don't do that. And all of these doctors are like, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. Shut up. You're lying. Blah, blah, blah. It's probably something else. You're a fool. Mm-hmm. I don't believe you. And I'm like, amazing. But it's, it's all ne- for laughs. It's, it's all, all for, laughs, for jokes it's, because it's not dipped into at all. Because we, the audience, know something is happening, right? But so we're not really, we're like, oh, like, of course nobody knows what's happening. But like, yeah. Again, when you take it in the context as to what's actually happening in the world, yeah. like, it, it hits a little bit differently. But we just, as viewers, we're supposed to feel okay about it because we have this extra information, right? Yeah. And because we know nothing terribly serious has gotten, has happened, and they will probably get these, their talent back, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, because it's such low stakes, it it sets itself on the idea that like, well, this is fine because again, low stakes. Like, nothing's really hanging in the balance here. Everything is just obviously temporary, and we're gonna rectify everything by the end. Like, we we've kind of established that from the beginning. That's the point of the movie. Eat your popcorn and go talk about it. Like, that's we don't we don't need anything else from this. We're not gonna we're not gonna dive into any of this, which is unfortunate because again good points, cool ideas, or not cool ideas, interesting ideas for sort of cinematic narratives. Like, yeah, I would love to hear that. I would love an interesting take on this. I would love some insight or some just shedding light on this idea. Play with that more. No? Okay, never mind. <laughs> like, I guess, mm-hmm. no no problem. Do something with it. Do, Do something like, with it. You set, you set up all of these, like, all of these um, things. You just need to connect them. Yeah. Or like in a meaningful way or maybe tell that in a different way so it isn't just people laughing at, you know, Bill Murray and his racist comment or things like that. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One of the bits that really fucking worked for me was in Stan's car where he has the no smoking sign, but his car is smoking. I thought that like those kinds of yeah. things, and because it's like this big comical, like you know, or um, what is it? Uh, the I think it's Bugs that says the Ducks. What kind of like what kind of company would name their team the Ducks? And I was like, Amazing. love this. This is so hilarious. Fun. Good. Like I also, I also there there were some great like even when um that golfer walks up to him when he's digging the hole, and he's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, oh yeah. I'm fixing, a, I'm fixing a whatever, and he's like, he's like waist deep in a hole, and the guy's yeah. like, oh, cool, and it's like obviously not that, and he walks away like a dumb white person. Amazing, gorgeous yeah. joke, loved it, but it is relatively flavorless, and and I mean that just that echoes the glorified commercial aspect where it really isn't a thought out film, it's a, which it's is a, also funny because the the bad guy is a capitalist yes he's like this like super big giant bad capitalist man that wait why was this movie made capitalism but to to, to me to me that is the one part that felt intentional because it's a misdirect like look at this big bad capitalist right like Mm -hmm. let's make the bad guy this super like sweaty gross capitalist who just wants him for profit um, but we're the NBA, and we don't do that. He's this bad because he has it. slaves. Yes, but we're the NBA, and we don't. You should go watch this film. You want a Gatorade? 
<laughs> you know, like like it 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 seems like an intentional, very clear and concise. Don't look at us. Look over there. Look at that thing. That bad thing. That's not us. We're nice and shiny. This thing is sweaty and yeah. probably smells like c- cigars. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that. And and to me, I'm like, ooh, that's a little insidious, but. But like, hey. sure, yeah. But like, get it? I guess I don't know. That's that's. <laughs> it's really one of the only aspects of the movie that I was like, oh, you thought about that. Yeah. Because when it's when it, when it has to do with sales, you're going to recognize and make a very clear and conscious decision that this is a glorified commercial. We need sales to come in. Let's make this capitalist monster look bad so that us, the capitalist monsters, don't. Well, and I thought it was also really funny, like something I think that was absolutely intentional is the space aliens, while they're trying to steal talent, like to go and take it back to their theme park, they literally steal talent from players, like the essence of talent in order to perform and to enslave more talent, right? Like, and I was like, ooh, they steal talent to steal talent. Interesting. I like this. And I liked, um, and I don't think that this was intentional, but before when they're small little weak aliens, right? Which, okay, um, I do want a side note here. The Looney Tunes picked this sport and this game because they uh, made a big giant assumption based on what people look like and um, were like, oh, they're going to be bad. I was like, okay, fucking cool misogynist asshole bugs. Like, okay. But anyways... These small little aliens, once they have some sort of talent that, you know, makes them good at something, they become like it it changes their whole physique to where now they're big, strong and intimidating. And I thought that that was really interesting because then once they, you know, once they're big, once they have that talent, then their entire persona also changes along with their physique to where they are now being bullies and trying to dominate others in a very um, in a very icky way. Right. Um, Just showing. And then, you know, of course, they lose it and they turn back into these little helpless people. But like in this conversation that it's not having not having about celebrity and influence and all of this stuff, like there's also like a conversation that could have been had about accountability and what that kind of celebrity and power does to somebody and how that um, how that manifests into the world and um like dictates how you interact with others and like oh this could have been good (laughs) could have been good there's a lot in this movie that they could have made could be excellent it could be such a think piece on culture on on sociology on like on on racism on 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 structural misogyny like there are so many moments that they could have just been like let's just press the button a little bit harder alas we didn't yeah, and like I, I mean, those characters just from a surface aesthetic standpoint, obsessed with them. I Very love good. them. The yeah. moments when like they show up and they're like kind of helpless, but they're like, "Oh, by the way, <laughs> forgot to say this. We're gonna kidnap all of you, and that's what we're here. You're all actually under our control now." And like just the wielding of this like comically large gun, just like, mm-hmm. and they're just like kind of silly, helpless little creatures who are like obviously bad but there's kind of like an innocence to them because even when they're doing the bad thing there's a level of like they don't recognize it as bad so it's like oh this is just business i mean like, colonialists oh, well, we just... or uh, exactly col- colonizers, colonizers never very, um, the exact same yes this fucking capitalist imperialist yeah yeah, col- yeah okay and, and to me i just those characters were so 
Chef's Kiss because I feel like we knew who those characters were. They yeah. were realized. And that whole idea, the villains and that that portion of the narrative was realized and it was very specific. And to me, I mean, that's why I just, there's, A, they were funny and cute and bad and gross. And then when they became monsters, I'm like, you guys are so fucking sick. Like, oh my God. I just, I love, I love it. I love how toxic you are. <laughs> I love how bad you are. Like, yes, this is, because it's just to me, I'm like, the only real like substance. I'm like, yes. None of this fluff, none of this like half realized stuff. I'm like, you guys. Well, and at the end too, they're like, uh, Bugs is like, hey, why do you follow that guy? And they're like, I don't know. Like, hello, capitalism, living under capitalism, right? And they're like, you know what? I'm not going to go back. Can I chill? And they're like, yeah, Avi, that's super fine. Um, I did also really like that one of our introductions to the big bad boss man was they're like licking his feet, which is fucking gross and everything. But he, (laughs) um, the phrase, the customer is always right is not good. Oh it's a fucking yeah. awful, awful phrase, right? And in even in this movie, in the 90s, they are recognizing that that is an awful, awful, awful phrase and that is very damaging and um, unrealistic, right? Yeah. Um, you cannot make every person happy. Um, not everything is for everybody. Like, all of this, right? So, like, we're recognizing that that as a principle for business is bad however yeah like you are still expecting that of of your workers of this of and i'm just like ooh, i i kind of like how meta that is <laughs> yeah well it's it, it it just that the same part of that insidious narrative that i'm like this is the only part that you thought about just to be like telling a half truth i don't know i just that shit bothers me so much. Like, it's literally yeah. just hearing, like, a where I've experienced, like, a shitty boss be like, "We, I have your back, or, like, 100%, you're, you come first, or whatever, but then it's like, you're treated like shit. And then they don't, Some, yeah. And they don't, like, a customer is, like, an absolute monster to you. You bring it up, and they're like, actually, you were in the wrong. And you're like, I hate you. You're oh literally God. all talk. You're the absolute fucking worst. N- none of that is real. That whole familial aspect of like we're a team, go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't matter to you, and I know that. I need you to stop telling me that I do because it's not helpful to you're me. You're gaslighting or you. me, and yeah. uh, I'm like, not here for this anymore. I know. I know you're lying. I know this is fake, and I hate it. I hate this performance. It's that. But hence from a big... why so many people are not going back to work at low. Oh my god, uh, I love it at oh. low wage jobs or yeah. as servers. And I love this. I love this so much. I'd... I love how many people have not gone back to their service jobs because it really is hellish. It's so bad and so messy and so toxic. I can't even believe that I did it for so long. And I just, that's a whole tangent, but oh, should we just do the next one? Oh my God. Are, Are you ready? I'm so Let's ready for it. the next one. Let's do it. As a kid, LeBron James always wanted to become a professional basketball player, and through personal sacrifice and extreme focus on the game, at the encouragement of his coach, his dreams become a reality. A montage ensues highlighting LeBron James's basketball career, which concludes by honing in on LeBron's children as they discuss their own dreams, which don't align with their father's. Specifically, Dom, who dreams of becoming a game designer and has in fact already designed a game of his own. Dom ends up accompanying his dad to WB Studios, who hear a new marketing pitch helmed by lead baddie and sentient 
computer algorithm Algorithm, where Dom expresses his desire to attend game designer camp and, like the marketing pitch, is immediately shut down by LeBron, prompting both Dom and Al to storm off. While chasing his son, LeBron and Dom are both transported into Al's world known as Serververse, where the two are separated and told they must compete in Dom's game in order to leave. While Al slyly steals Dom's ideas and technology, LeBron is ejected into the Serververse and forced to assemble a team to play for his freedom. He lands on the Looney Tunes planet where depressed Bugs Bunny is living all alone, and together they assemble the Looney Tunes to once again play basketball to decide the fate of all Twitter users. That's (laughs) right! Al promoted the game on social media and transported everyone that tuned in on their phone to the Serververse 2! Fun! The game was played, LeBron realizes he was wrong and should have been more open to his son's desires, and simultaneously relearns it's okay to have fun and work outside the binary rule set. The tunes win and everyone goes back to the real world. Okay. Yeah. First and foremost, love this movie. Uh, I love this movie. As a sequel, I thought thought it was going to be not necessarily bad, but when I saw the trailer that was like, it felt just like very Ready Player One, I was like, oh... I don't know what's happening here. But yeah, and that like that wasn't distracting for me because the way in the context that they did it. Yes. So Agreed. all of a lot of this movie is like, hey, we're WB. We own all of these properties and you love it. Here's this, here's this. But it's like a flyby, um, you know, flying by all of these different planets. Or um, where most of these cameos happen is when the actual basketball game at the end is taking place. Yeah. And all of these characters are watching the, the game, which was so cute because, like, I found myself while I'm watching the thing, I'm like, oh, look, there's um, there's this one and there's this one and there's this one. And it was just, it was um, very cute to see them all in the audience. And I enjoyed I, that. I enjoyed it, too. I think my big, and again, everything is derivative, obviously. My struggle with the idea of, like, this sort of all-inclusive umbrella of usage. Um, it just felt very like Wreck-It Ralph. Like yes. it's not only the crux of the the final act in defeating the bad guy was the exact same with the glitch, like from the first mm-hmm. one, but then when Ralph breaks the internet, it was that sort of like conglomerate, like the we're all connected, we're all in the same, like it, it sort of had the same vibe. To me, but it, it was, was woven into the narrative, which was less jarring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think that was the one that, that was just like, oh, this feels very that. But either way, that is neither here nor there. It's more of a small thing. But as a whole, I feel like the way that they did it was better and more fun, especially for something like what we're doing here, talking about movies based in nostalgia. For movies or or stories that really rely on that kind of like look game of thrones look harry potter look dc look this look that like they could have done it a bunch of ways and i think this way was actually really fun and interesting because it wasn't like oh we know it's bad we know you don't like that or like whatever we know it's cheap it didn't really feel cheap it felt very thought out like the 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 train chase scene and them going through all the lands and then like the Wonder Woman scene with Lola, like I, I, like there were these moments that really felt realized and 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 felt considered. You know what I mean? In a way that nothing in the first one did. 
Yeah, no, um, this one actually had a cohesive story. It and all of story. all of the characters um, and all of the interactions did play into the larger narrative. And this, yeah. uh, I don't feel like it really punched down on anything except for like technology, which I mean, we'll talk about. But um, this, it also had like a moral where I think the other one didn't. It didn't have True. like something it was trying to say inherently. Whereas this one like was really about breaking cyclical behavior and understanding the harm in it, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Even from, you know, and I love that um, LeBron, in, like, himself is flawed, right? And we see that. We can absolutely see that and understand that. And we, you know, like, because it starts off where, you know, he's a kid, his mom can't go see his game because she's got to work, you know, fucking tough. And, uh, but she's like, yo, it's cool, you got this. And then he goes and he was going to try to have, like, before a game, just like a minute of fun on a Game Boy. And his coach yells at him for it. And it's just like, hey, you need to get your fucking head in the game. You know, like, you, you can change the world with basketball. You could do all of this right which is like okay like cool but at no point did he ever get to have fun at least within the narrative right at no point did he get to have fun and at no point like he was always just kind of like working as hard as he could to be the best and to change his status in life and the status of his family and everything because clearly he loves his family he loves his mom he has all of these connections that this is like something that could literally change his whole family's life and he wants to do that um and so great life has changed has a big ass fucking mansion but like he never allowed himself to slow down and he also um because that's what he was taught right and how he was taught he imposes that same kind of behavior onto his sons you know and especially dom who isn't like his dad like sure he's okay at basketball but like that's not what he is and that's not what he does so um to see that at like to have this incredible like famous person and like have them start off that flawed um i was just like i'm here for this i'm fucking here for this this is great because that it's showing that it, it can be any like everybody has flaws everybody's imperfect everybody needs to grow and needs to change and there 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 are these things and we do need to step out of these um uh like these ways of binary thinking of it's all or nothing and realize that we can contain multitudes and still be successful and still have meaningful relationships with people and like you know like so seeing lebron step out of that was excellent and i thought that that was really great i thought so too i mean again just from a story perspective they establish it really well just in terms of mother son son or uh mother-son, father-son dynamic and breaking that cycle, that being sort of the the main element of like, oh, yeah, I need to just realize that, like, we're different people and I need to just be happy for myself. I need to be supportive in a way mm-hmm. that I'm not. Um, being able to step outside of that, it was well done. I mean, I I liked it a lot. I really liked the way that they structured that. I thought that was really, it was just more, it's just, it was thoughtful. And that's that's it. It's so interesting that we're doing back-to-back episodes about um, men breaking cyclical um, cyclical behaviors oh, to yeah. um, establish better relationships with themselves and with their sons. Yeah. Um, it's so good. Like, he recognizes that he was wrong and that he did something. He made his son feel small, you know, and he tells him, like, he actually tells him, like, on the fucking court, right? He holds the ball and he's like, hey... Um, 
and the way he starts the apology is fucking good too because he doesn't say like I'm sorry you were hurt, blah, 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 blah. He says, hey, I'm really sorry. Then he compliments his son. Then he tells him, I should have listened to you. I'm really sorry about that. And then he says, like, this is where I was coming from, but I recognize that I'm not good at this and I don't know how to be a dad and I need to listen to you in order for me to be a better dad and to be there for you. Yeah. And I was like, Whoa. Which is also something we don't see a lot of is That's just that, good. that kind of respect in general because most parents and at least in a lot of these sort of visual dynamics that we see in movies, it has everything to do with you're my child so I own you. Like mm-hmm. I you don't you don't have autonomy. I'm in charge and I own you and you shut up I'm talking. The, seeing that level of like respect just so blatant like you know what? Yeah. Like it is a two-way street. I know what I want for you, but you also know what you want for yourself. And that that's not something that I have a say in. I can't control that. All I can do is listen, offer advice if necessary, and apart from that, be supportive. Because what, like, what else am I to do? Yeah, and seeing him just be so vulnerable with his yeah. son and mm-hmm. um, so humble like in front of him and just being like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing and I recognize that I need to listen to you and what you're saying in order for me to be a good dad, a good support system for you, yeah. right? So like seeing somebody like LeBron be vulnerable with his son literally again in front of fucking everybody, yeah. like literally. Like and there's having no, There's no shame tied to it. No, and having their the courage be in that and like the writing was like did not cheapen that or make that moment or make that feel any less or like you said like any sort of there was no shame attached to that moment and then also like we got to see him cry because he was happy we saw lebron cry because he was happy that he like got his son back and that you know he was able to like by being vulnerable and by doing all of this he not only is he stronger but his like his family is stronger his relationships yeah. when you know the story starts with him wanting to be be the best because he wants to better his family and their their position in life and yeah. now like he has the money but he has to reinvest that time into his actual family to accomplish that goal i mean i also like just with the son uh, in general, the way that they'd r- written him in this story. Because I feel like a lot of times with this dynamic of like, I'll show you, Dad. You don't get me. I'm going to be mad. There's sort of a vilifying of that character where it's like mm-hmm. they have to go so far, so bad to like learn like, hey, everything is okay. And like it's just a misunderstanding and then they bring it back. In this one, it was very clear like, sure, there's a tension between him and his dad. But it's not like, I hate you, Dad. It's just a... You don't get me and you don't get it. But Mm -hmm. the crux of it wasn't to vilify him to be like, I'm going to show you. It was leaving him in the dark. Like he's like, oh, where'd my dad go? It's like, oh, somewhere else. Don't worry about it. Oh, don't you think your dad would think this is cool? Yeah, he would think this is cool. Like how like I can do this. I can do these things. And even when they show up at the game and he like drops in, he's not like showing his dad in any sort of like what appears malicious. It's just like a yeah, we're going to play a game and look how good I am now. Isn't that fucking sick? Like, get like get ready to play me. Like, I don't... There's literally nothing else. You want me to be good and I'm good now. Let's, let's fucking rage. I'm ready now. And then and, he gets excited and has joy when his dad and their team, like, scores and does something fucking cool. Yes. And Al starts, like, yelling at him, right? But and he's I just like, like, 
fuck Ooh. yeah, this is great. I like this is so cool. And like at that moment, he feels not only like yes, this is cool, holy shit, but his dad is like is meeting him on his level. You know, yes, exactly. I loved that. That's how it was written because it is. It is all coming from a place of joy. The only place there there's no joy coming from is Al. Al's character is all malicious, all bad, all the time, manipulative, gaslighting, trash. Mm -hmm. That's his whole MO. That's the deal. So the fact that, like, even in those moments, um, his son, Dom, is, like, still happy, still excited, still doing it. And then seeing him turn on Al and, like, recognizing the reality of everything was great. Where, like, he hears him yell or something. He's like, oh, you might be bad. And then he does something bad. He's like, oh, no, you are bad. I'm on the fuck what is happening this is bad i'm on the bad team shit <laughs> like i did not notice this until just now this sucks and it's so interesting the way that they played that too because like yeah. clearly um his mom and all of these people are trying to talk to dom and trying to be like hey something's fucking up something's bad something's wrong but the way that any sort of like proximity um to toxic people right and people that are manipulative and gaslighting and all of that um part of what they do is they silo you away from everybody that you know and everything that you know, right? And you, like, you can't hear anybody else. Like, you can't see or hear anything other than them and what they want you to see and hear. So yeah. I thought that that was a really interesting take. Like, his mom is like, hey, Dom, yo, like, let's talk. And he, like, honestly, legit could not hear that. And, like, so yeah. for, like, and again, it's cool because, like, the parents were not like, fuck this kid. This kid's in so much trouble. They were like, something is going on. Say, let's let's bring our son home. Let's let's figure this out. Let's do this, right? And it yeah. was coming from a place of love and respect rather than like domination, right? So, um, yeah, yeah. And that, that that was the that was the foundation for the entire family. All of those characters. There wasn't. There was love, respect, and trust in every category and any dynamic and any sort of interpersonal connection between LeBron and his either of his sons any of his children or his wife like there was an understood mutual respect of like we we love each other we support each other that's how we do this and there's no other way to do this while still being their own individual characters right yeah, and still yeah. having conflict within all of these relationships yeah. but at no point was it like these people hate it. I was never like these like it I could see that love and that love, like, yeah. which is so cool. And to me, that's a testament to good writing. Yeah. You know? Which, I mean, it just, I, I, that, that alone made this movie miles ahead of its predecessor, without a doubt, like without a doubt. And I mean, that's not even including any of the Looney Tunes stuff because truly so sick. All of those, like all of the choreo at the end in that, like when when they're like oh my god stylized points are a thing like we're realizing this like the wily e. coyote machine so the duplicate incredible what's her name <laughs> the grandma doing yeah. the matrix shit granny? well also granny doing even the whole sequence where she is trinity in the opening scene of the matrix i was just like so good the going back into the movies and inputting i mean i'm a sucker for it obsessed i love it i was um i could not I was here what a, for it. What a fucking 100%. treat. What a joy. It w and it wasn't, it wasn't even like recreations of these old scenes. It was literally just implementing it into old footage. <laughs> and you're like, 
Did they Amazing. just do that? And you're like, they're like, yeah, yeah bitch. Yeah, fucking, we did. Fucking great. I was so into it. And that I just, it was really good. And like the jokes too, like the Michael Jordan joke. Hilarious. Oh my God. So funny. Oh my like, God. You got Michael B. Jordan, not Michael A. Jordan. And he's like, hey, <laughs> I don't know. I was like getting a snack and they call me back here. I'm really sorry that I'm not Michael Jordan, but you guys are going to do great. <laughs> like I'm not that, I'm not the right so Michael, but. fucking good. Yeah. I yeah, loved I lo- that. Yeah. It was uh, very solid. It was really, I. it's just, it was a treat. It's like a treat of a movie. Also, like, I really loved that um, this movie was all black. There was no, I don't oh, think yeah. there was a white person there, well, except for Sarah Silverman, right? Yes. Um, but in that, it didn't feel tokenized at all, which is great. Like, it, it felt like a movie. Like, it didn't feel. It felt, it felt earnest. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't feel like it was, like, I mean, I know it's intentionally black. Like, that is a choice. But it's appreciated in a way that isn't like, oh, this is the black movie in a way that is, again, just tokenizing people of color in the industry. Like, this is a black movie. Well, it's just a movie. It's not a black movie. But it is an intentionally black movie in that way where we are making the choice for this to be almost exclusively a black cast. Which is like, you know, what Hollywood normally does with, you know, or like historically has done, I think is maybe starting to change, like both with anybody that's not. Uh, a cishet white man right it's like oh this story is centering this is the girl movie this is the black movie this is the this and like so it it feels um yeah you're right it feels more earnest and i liked that a lot oh same and not only that but like how many more women were in this movie or sort of like oh my god i'm presenting characters in general were in this movie as opposed to the last like half of the fucking bad team um almost every shot there was like i just omg women so... play basketball no way also yeah, it... those fucking characters were those, so sick they were Obsessed. so sick like uh, water fire like oh i was like God. dang or so like cool. the spider like just very very cool and they did it didn't feel like they gendered the um which again like when you have like oh it's a woman but it's a woman butterfly or it's like you know like like the um, yeah. the pairings of human and animal for the or like element for um the character yeah. design did not feel gendered at all and i was just no. like fuck yes it it was nice the only thing that i didn't Shit. um that i wasn't stoked on was um oh, oh go ahead no i was going to say lola that's I what like i wasn't that- stoked on on her in general her in general cool i was stoked on that right um what i wasn't stoked on was her like i so lola went to uh the amazons and wanted to be an amazon warrior fucking cool love this for her love this for her and she's crushing it and she's like you know like she's there and they're like cool we're ready to make you one of us here we go and i fucking hated that bugs came in right at that moment and was like hey you need to help me and then like fucking hated that they were able to like um uh lebron and bugs were able to follow lola throughout the entire course that she had literally spent two years training for like it was nothing and like you know like hey hey no remember hey no and then like 
ultimately she stops the course and doesn't finish because her maternal instincts like to go and save these men that like the they can't complete like the very last thing or something or they like are falling off and i'm like okay but I hated that they were able to do all of that because then that I felt like that took away from the power of that moment for her, like because they were like right on her heels the whole time. So yeah, I mean, it was, it's a it was, small thing, but like I, I feel like it is, just took away from her power. It definitely is belittling a little bit. But I did. I was like, "Fuck yes, she's with the Amazon. She's doing this." I also love how wonderful women like the amazons were in this movie because they weren't like oh well you fucking helped other people like well you you blew your shot they were like hey compassion is actually a part of life and being a hero and and our culture so you doing that like made up for you not not being on this step at that time yeah so because they are compassionate and they recognize that as important they weren't like uh you know sorry you didn't pass when i feel like if it were any other sort of society male society that that wouldn't have been the case yeah. you know oh yeah 100 percent. i i i also love that it was really annoying just when she's like hey i'm busy like please leave me alone what if fucking like, leave her alone oh for sure but um just kidding actually i need you now and she's like i can't right now i said i'm busy please fucking go away and he's like but it's urgent she's like so is this please leave me alone like it's she does she said i don't know how many times she ha- said it like but it's so frequent and it's so clear and like, he's fucking chasing her saying he's chasing this her. and i mean i know lebron's just like i don't really know where else to go like i'm just following bugs but it was so clear she's she was like so clear like four or five times stop leave me alone i said no please get the fuck away from me I said no, I said no, I said no, I said no. But just like a man to run in there and then, oh, this is what you've wanted your whole life or what you've been training for. But I'm here now and you're so close, but like I'm here. So. But it's um, widow me. Bugs. Okay. Bugs really fucking bothered me in this movie. I felt like he was way more of a boomer that like he stayed on Toon Land when everybody else went away because he said like that they weren't being true to her that who they were by wanting to go see other things and expand their horizons and you know and be in the world and he's just sitting there wanting to do the same old gags like the rabbit season duck season rabbit season right and i was like okay but i, I kind of loved that just in cuz it's literally just that it is this kind of a shitty character who kind of has nothing else going on who is so reliant on this idea of how they exist in this very specific space where they are the main character only, only in this space. In the real world, forget it. Anywhere else, forget it. In this one small place, they are the best thing. And when other people are getting wise to the idea that like, hey, maybe it's time for me to go do something else, he hates it. He's like, no, I'm important. How can you leave me? This is about me. I'm the most important character. And just the fact that it is so intentionally painting bugs as like the weak, um, just literally has nothing to show for himself is the smallest, smallest character because of how big his ego is. I was like, yes. Ooh. Like, yes. I obsessed. Obsessed with I- that. 
I love it. I think so. Sometimes when I say I hate a character, I mean like I hate and love oh, the, yeah. this depiction of them. Yeah. And I think I don't do a good job of um, of saying that explicitly when I, when I meet like I fucking hate this character and I hate this character, but like I love to hate this be- character be- because like, it's, it's it's the conversation yeah. around the idea of like you can watch watch a movie and be like that is a bad character. In the context of this and the subtext of the character, what else is it saying besides a bad character in the movie? Because it's not just about them. It's like around it. So I 100% see where you're coming from just in terms of like, yeah, Bug sucks. 100%. Do I absolutely love for the way that they wrote him in this movie and the way that his badness is just amplified into this really interesting take on ego and self-centeredness? Absolutely. I'm yeah, no. obsessed. I Gorgeous. couldn't have been happier with it. And especially for somebody as iconic as Bugs Bunny, like he is the centerpiece of Looney Tunes. And for everyone to be like, hey, we actually don't need you and we want to live our own lives and he can't handle that. Of course. Of course he wouldn't. He is the most egotistical character. Like, of course it's a problem for him. And I just, I couldn't, and the, the, the carrot juice, the bar, like I love, I also love, Incredible. I love a cartoon binge, like the SpongeBob SquarePants movie when they're, they can't stop eating ice cream and they're just like drunk on ice cream. Literally any, in a cartoon, a character binging something that is big air quotes alcohol. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. Like the, the five o'clock shadow of the bags under their eyes. Like I just get out of here. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, <laughs> I just, I love those. I, it happens fairly frequently and every time it's the gag gets me every i just i love it but yeah i could not i i that was like my favorite part of the movie well the bug I, shit oh I, I loved that like um i love to to hate that care and also that's also this depiction of bugs is kind of what i always felt about him like watching it's, looney tunes so it at 100 percent tracked and i i loved this was their take on that right because i was like fucking knew it right yeah um but like i also loved that bugs was teamed up with lebron because lebron kind of has boomer vibes too where he's like what's this computer right oh you can't do this and so through the two of them walking this world in the in this space right where like lebron is so focused in on the same old thing the same old thing in the same way that bugs is right like fundamentals are what what you need in order to do this not like even though the game itself has changed and is morphed and is something different being so rigid to where you are not actually um you are not learning or you are not trying anything new. You're just trying the old way. And like, you know, the, you can't, the game has changed the, like you have to change with it or you are going to yeah. be dominated. Right. Yeah. And so the way that he, it like Lola gets the good line here where she, she tells him like, well, we've just been trying to be like you, you wanted us to be like you. This is like, and, cause he's like, what are we doing out there? What's happening? And she's just, we were trying to be you. We were trying to be like you because this is what you wanted. And that's when he realizes like, oh, I'm the problem. I need to change myself because not only am I like, you know, not doing well, but I other people around me are affected by this and are not doing well because I'm imposing this thought process on them. And that's when everything about Dom starts to click for him too, when he's like, hey, this makes sense. And he was holding his whole team and his family back with his like very like 
fundamental, small, binary way of thinking, right? And only when he started to really hone in on everybody's different talents and understand and utilize, like, not not use, because he didn't use their talents, but, like, allow people to, or these tunes, to play the game in a way that they, only they are able to, like, then they're able to win, and then they're able to think outside of the box, and just showing the strength in diversity, right? Like, and incredible diversity is the key to everything and it's fine and we all have different likes and different roles and different things and it's fine and not only is it fine but this is how we succeed in life and this is how we save the world everybody this is how we save it yeah it's embracing of all of those variations and i mean that moment but it's also not only just like recognizing that like his teammates they all have these different skill sets and letting them just play but recognizing that this is his son's game and that it's not his game and being like, okay, let me actually pay attention and play by my son's thing. Let me play by the rules of my son that he's established on top of that and allowing also his teammates to, to play as well. Like that's the whole point. It's, 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 it's him recognizing like, Oh, this is good. This is fine. This is fun. Like, Oh, I loved it. I loved it. It was a treat. You all should go watch it. It's yeah. on HBO Max. If you have HBO Max, I love that all of these movies are doing streaming and theaters. Oh, um, yeah. I think that oh. this should just be a thing moving forward because this is um, very good. Also, much more accessible. Um, yeah. I'm a person that likes the subtitles on all the time. Subtitles are my jam because um, sometimes I have to like, wait, what did they say? Um, yeah. I, just so so much better. We're back from uh, Looney Tunes land. Eric. Yes. The first Space Jam. Who was it for? Uh, It was for young boys, I think. I think, and that's like an earnest take. I think it was a boy movie for kids um, who don't need anything other than a commercial to be sold something. In this case, it's Nike products and Gatorade. Through the guise of cartoons. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, see, like the cartoons there. And Michael Jordan, you love Michael Jordan. Anyways, buy more stuff. Was That's that's all it was for. And it was marketed at young, uh, young boys. Yeah, I think it was for, I mean, ultimately it was for profit for companies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it was for the, um, it was for McDonald's and Nike and Gatorade and Hanes. Yeah. All of those other product placements that were in there, that's who this was for. Love a good Hanes. Love it. Love it. Just sell more <laughs> Air Jordans. You'll be just like just like Jordan. That's who I think it was for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that uh, that absolutely tracks. Um, did you like it? I did. I still, I like it. A hard like, not love. As a kid, I loved it. Now, hard like. With fully recognizing that it is a fluff piece of cinema. That has almost no nourishment. At, well, actually, not almost. It has no nourishment. It's not good by any means, but I do like it. Yeah. Do you like it? No, no. I didn't like it at all. I thought it was um, just so tasteless. It had no substance. It's like, you know, when you drink one of those sparkling waters, like those flavored sparkling waters, but not LaCroix, like not, or not like, uh, or like the Target um, brand. 
yeah, like Good and Gather or the Kirkland brand, where it's like it it has a little bit of flavor, right? You know, and it's a little fun because you got like the bubbles and stuff, but ultimately there's no nourishment, no value, no nothing, and you could take it or leave it. Yeah. Um, because there's obviously better brand. That's what this felt like to me. I couldn't. Yeah, that's literally what it is. <laughs> it is <laughs> you. You. You kind of get the taste of it, like like the whisper of it, but it's like, well, okay. And it's not guess, as guess, good as it. Like I know what strawberry tastes like, and it yeah. doesn't. It doesn't even like taste like good imitation strawberry. It's got like a little bit of funk. And right? but at the same but at the same time, there's a level in your brain where you're like, well, I did buy sparkling water. So, yes. like, I kind of I know did what I signed sign up, up for, for this. but at the yeah. same time, it is still kind of a disappointment, <laughs> even knowing full well what you had expected. Yes. We nailed it. Yeah. Boom. How about Space Jam Legacy? Was it uh, new, interesting, or the same, progressive, regressive? How has the story evolved with today's ideals? I thought it was both new and interesting, the way it was presented incredibly progressive as well just in terms of like the care and intention behind the story also an almost entire cast of color um the way that they talk about sort of generational trauma i know like we had talked about like (laughs) that that is a general thing that we've been talking a lot about but truly it was it was handled with such care and such nuance and such um intention that like oh yeah like i think that that was incredibly progressive I think it's evolved with today's ideals in terms of not only representation and like telling more interesting stories or more cared for stories, but it also just, it's just better. I don't know. <laughs> it's just a better movie. <laughs> it was just, it's just a much better, it's a much better film <laughs> just in terms <clears throat> of like story and everything. It's just, it is, it is miles ahead of the first one. For sure. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think it was both new and interesting. I think mm-hmm. it was, I think it was really progressive because of the way that it handled um, things like generational trauma and breaking the cycle and um, male vulnerability and the strength within that. I think the story evolved in just a lot of really lovely ways where like it feels like it looked at the first one and it was like, oh, okay, that's cute, and all of the things that we commented on with um with the first one where it was just very surface level where there was nothing to it like they went ahead and just literally gave this story all of the depth that was potential for the first one i mean of course there is more potential because there's more characters than just michael jordan and bugs bunny um so opening that up a bit more and like having stakes and having um, being invested and having like real tangible characters with their own wants and needs and goals. And pretty importantly, none of the humor is punching down on anybody. It's all just there. And it's funny because it is actually funny and because they narratively set these things up. So it's not funny because it's a woman it's not funny because it's racism it's not funny because it's a fat joke it's it's funny because of like the context of what they're doing and what they're saying and um and i thought it was just really smart yeah couldn't agree more who do you think this was for 
me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, who's it for? Uh, I don't really have an answer apart from everybody, but I feel like I've been saying that more. We've just like been, been watching better movies. We've just been watching better <laughs> movies, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'll say everybody. It's a, it's a, it is a movie that I feel like a lot of people can enjoy. There's a lot here. There's a lot of substance. There's a lot of intention. It's just, I think it's for everybody. I think it's great. I think that it's for, um, I, I'll agree. I think it is for everybody. I think it's fun, but I think specifically it's for fathers and sons. Um, oh, okay. and yeah. kind of, um, you know, we're able to do better when we're able to see not only ourselves as the main characters in the story, but also see how they handle situations differently. Um, almost like giving us the okay, just presenting um, fathers and sons with a different uh, perspective or saying like, hey, dads, you know, you got to meet them halfway because they're still doing like, even though they're not doing exactly what you want. Like, I mean, truly, okay, this movie is for dads. Uh, even though your your kids aren't doing what you want exactly how they're doing, like how you want them to do it, they are still doing things and they are still doing things and being incredibly good at them. So see them, notice them, uh, encourage them and don't be afraid to grow. And yeah. don't be afraid to, to accept something that's new and different and interesting. Truly. And in that same turn, don't be afraid of your kids teaching you something. Don't think yeah. that because you're older or because you've you've had this experience that you can't learn from your kids. Like we all have the cap the capacity to learn. Understand that your children are no different. You and can learn children... from Jen them just like they learn from you. And they're there to try to also help you be a better parent because yes. they don't want a shitty parent. No. Nobody wants a shitty parent. And so the more time that you take to listen, not only to their wants and needs, but just to like their tone of voice, the way that they speak, the way that they talk about themselves, the way that they, certain things that you say, how they react to that. Like, you yeah. know, um, just be more open to listening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Uh, did you like it? I loved it. I thought it was really good. Also loved it. I yeah. agree. So hard. I would absolutely watch this again. Same. Absolutely. I'm, I think I am I might. It's just like, because also apart from like, the story, a lot of those sequences are so fucking cool. Like They're so smart. They're colorful and fun and so smart. Ugh, so many good good bits here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. I think that's it. I think we oh did my- it. OMG, we did it. Congrats to us. Thank oh, you so much. Oh, go ahead. Oh, oh, no, I was going to say also, I'm learning in this moment that apparently... Before this, they were trying to make a sequel happen or a spinoff of some kind of Space Jam. They had approached Jeff Gordon, Tiger Woods, and Tony Hawk to do like a Space Jam type, but for a different sport, which would have been interesting. And they all said no. Yeah, apparently. Um, Love. Love that they were like, um... I saw that trash. Yeah, I think <laughs> no. I think I I don't know if it like came to the table, but like it was propositioned to some degree. Like, hey, we're kind of doing a little bit of pre-production on this, or we're thinking about this. Like, this is something that might happen. Would you be interested if we were to pitch it to you, or if we were to like present you with it? And I think the like it like got knocked out early on. But um, yeah, how how wild that would have been? Could you imagine a Tony Hawk Space Jam? Oh my God, no. Wouldn't that be wild? OMG. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, This was a treat. 
It was a treat. And also, do not forget, if you can, it would be so nice of you to please rate and review this podcast if you love us and love what we do. Five stars or whatever the highest star rating or whatever you think is fair. I think we're great. You you should too. You'll love it. Um, rate, review us. Also, follow us on all social medias, nostalgia.pod, uh, almost anywhere. Also, check us out on the nostalgianetwork.com. Um, check out our other shows and just gab with us hang out you'll love it <laughs> our artwork and music is by eric lefebvre our editing is by danny barkley and thank you again for listening and thank you eric thank you jess and remember stay cute and stay critical bye, bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Nostalgia Network. Visit thenostalgianetwork.com for more. You enter the dungeon and see the evil wizard pointing his wand directly at you. He says, show me a funny and delightful actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast or I'll consume your souls. What do you do? I take out my phone and find Quest Friends Forever on Spotify. I show him how to find Quest Friends Forever on Apple Podcasts. I share the Quest Friends Forever Instagram and YouTube pages with him. And you all get critical hits! Yay! Quest Friends Forever is an actual play podcast starring four friends with varying levels of Dungeons & Dragons experience. Join us for new episodes every other Wednesday as we embark on fantasy adventures, play fast and loose with the rules, and laugh at each other's shenanigans. No prior D&D knowledge is required to listen, so everyone can feel free to join the fun. Quest Friends 4, that's the number 4, like how there's 4 of us, ever. Find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Quest Friends Forever.